Welcome to the Content Queens podcast, a weekly conversation about the complexities and nuances of the creator-driven social media economy. We are your hosts. I'm Kia Marie, but these social media streets know me as the Notorious KIA. Put some respect on it. And I am the Vic Styles, your internet best friend. Between the two of us, we have over 10 years of social media experience and hundreds upon hundreds upon thousands of likes, views, and followers. Shit, Kia is even verified. And that's not a brag. It's simply just the fucking truth. Period. Our platform exists to inform creators, new and old, about the bounty of wealth and growth opportunities in the content creator industry and simultaneously share the best practices for your careers to have longevity just like ours have. Content Queens is an amalgamation of your favorite talk show segments featuring high-profile guest interviews and discussions on current events, all while exploring the most pertinent issues in today's social media climate. And the forecast, the word of social media is scorching hot and isn't letting up anytime soon. As new classes of creators continue to ascend into the ranks of the creator economy, there still maintains a lack of decorum and transparency on both the brand, agency, and even the influencer side. But we're here to fix that. We believe as an industry, it's not enough to teach virality if you aren't also teaching scalability and sustainability too. Insert your content queens. But it's not just our wisdom that we're sharing. This season, we're inviting a handful of seasoned guests and some of your favorite creators to share their experiences and best practices on how to thrive as an online creator. Here are watches anywhere and everywhere you get your podcasts, but hold up it back down. We're not done with you. Hit that subscribe button now so you won't miss a minute or even a second of what we have in store for you. For now, this is Content Queens, where content is queen. Kingdom, welcome back. Episode eight. Who? it's been a long summer. It has. It's been, it's been a been cold a good, summer. It has. But <laughs> it got a little bit hotter this past week because uh, Beyonce dropped that album. Yes, How are you feeling about it? Yes. Um, I'm still processing, but I'm enjoying it. Like, I have a few, like, standout tracks right now, like Cozy. Cozy, cozy is my shit. <laughs> cozy is my shit. <laughs> that, I like Heated. I like I'm That Girl, of course. Yep. Um, but yeah, Those are my like, two Virgos fans. are so lucky. Virgos are lucky. <laughs> my best friend is a Virgo. Yo, she <laughs> dropped the, Beyonce dropped a rolling tray, and I'm very excited about it. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah, she dropped a rolling tray. Um, is I she never... appropriating uh, stoner culture? I think Beyonce's a stoner. Who else? Okay. How? What other? Why else would she come out with that? She could. She talks about Duce all the time. She talks about taking shots. She could have came out with shot glasses, but she chose a rolling tray. And then Jay Z does own a cannabis monogram. Called monogram. Yeah. So it it makes sense. It, it makes, makes sense. sense. That's my first Beyonce purchase outside of like CDs and albums. But like I've never bought any of her merch before, so I'm excited. Oh, that's about dope. That. That's dope. Yeah. All right. So for today's episode, we have Carlos Harris. So you guys definitely want to stay tuned to that because he is just so authentic, just raw and just unapologetic. Like his interview was was funny. It was motivating. It was inspiring. We had a good time. And um, I think what he does really, really well is motivating and inspiring his audience through the lens of him just showing how he lives his everyday life. Yeah, it's really dope to see anyone showing up in this space as authentically as Carlos is. Because even some of the things he said, I was like, well, you wow for that. But I love how real you're keeping it. Um, but also a male. Right. Like there is a part uh, during our interview with him where he's talking about this bromance 
And like just hearing about that from a black male perspective was so dope to me um, because it's not something that we see or hear about a lot of. Um, So I thought that was really cool. For sure. Before we hop into this interview, we do want to get into some of these poll results. So we asked on Instagram, is social media ruining creativity? 33% of you said it's definitely ruining creativity. 18% said not, it brings out more creativity. But the majority of you at 49% uh, could neither agree or disagree. Kia, how do you feel about it? I feel like we don't got enough time to really dive into this. <laughs> it depends on your perspective. If you're new to this, I'm sure it's not ruining creativity for you because you just have so much, you know, you just started out. So you should have so much to give, so much creativity to show. On the other hand, if you've been doing this for a while, like us, I can see it being a bit draining just in general, the amount of uh, output that we have to produce. Um, not only when dealing with brands, but also to stay relevant and keep your community engaged and happy. Um, so I do think if you are around that six, seven, eight, nine, ten year mark, it is becoming some somewhat of a burnout for you to keep up. I know that's something that I'm feeling. Um, but aside from that, I'm thinking I think create I think social media is just making you a lazy creator. They have implemented so many like templates that you can do now. So you got the trending sounds. They're giving you templates. Like, so if somebody edits a video using reels, you can then take their template and create the same video. So in that aspect, I do feel like they are ruining creativity because editing video is such a huge part of being a content creator, especially in 2022 when video is top dog. Um, So I do feel like to a certain extent it is ruining creativity. um, But at the end of the day, I feel like the real creators will always rise to the top. They'll always be ahead of the curve and they'll survive um, whatever trends we're currently on. What about you? I agree. I mean, I think that is it ruining it? I think that it's shifting creativity. And I think that the more that TikTok tends to grow in this fast, this sort of, I guess, fast fashion of content grows, I think there's going to be two separate like styles of creator. Um, If we aren't already seeing it now, I think there's going to be like the slow and steady, like the slow fashion creators. And then there's going to be the ones that are just trendy and cranking out kind of nonsense that isn't going to stick or resonate with anyone. But I think there's a market for both and there's room for both. I think that it's just capitalizing on creativity. That's what I feel like social media is doing. It's capitalizing on one of you is going to make a dance and the rest of you are going to follow and we'll be able to make millions of dollars off of that. That's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, that's why I don't edit videos with reels. (laughs) I edited one video with reels and then I saw that people can actually like copy like the template. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. We not cutting corners over here. I'm not promoting no cutting corners. Like, no, you're going to open up your editing app. You're going to do your markers for every beat on the song, just like I do. You're going to chop it up. No, we not cutting corners. But I also think about making creativity more accessible, right? So Mm. think about Canva. Think about Squarespace when it comes to, what is it, web design and stuff, like just making things more accessible um, for the everyday user. So is that what Instagram is doing? 
So certain tools are established for the everyday consumer. I yeah. think if you consider yourself a content creator, you are doing a disservice to yourself, to your creativity, to your audience by using these templates because yep. that's not creativity. That's not content creation. That is copy and paste, literally. Yep. Yep. Um, so once again, like you said, I think there's a, a shift between the, not only the different types of creators, fast creators, slow creators, but also the consumers. And we as content creators have to estab- have to differentiate what's for me as the creator, like because the creators run this app, right? Yeah. They're they're driving the app. And so there are certain things that are for the creator. They'll say it's for the creator. Um, but it's more so just kind of like cookie cutter, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Agree. What y'all think? Let us know. All right. The Royal TTT. We took a couple weeks off of giving we the tea. We did. We have. Um, but we're back with our Royal Tea. And of course, Instagram is on the chopping block once again. I feel like Adam is so sick of us. He's like, <laughs> bye, girl. Like, I'm so sick of y'all in my DMs, in my comments. And it's like, he was fed up this past week. Fed oh, up. <laughs> so we all know with all the recent changes that Instagram has been going through, we've been like, yo, girl, are you trying to be TikTok? Or are you trying to be Instagram? And so we we know that Instagram likes to adopt other <laughs> I'm gonna say adopt yeah, look, so politically correct <laughs> they like to adopt other popular features from other popular apps and implement it into their model um say what you say either or I mean they're they're winning at this point um but enough is enough and so with a recent update a user by the name of Tati I'm not even going to butcher her last name but her Instagram handle is Aluma Alumatati how you pronounce it? Yeah. <laughs> so she made a post, a little cute little infograph, like wordy post. What do you call those posts with the words on it? I think it's an infograph. Like graphic. Okay. Yeah. So she made a cute little graphic that said, make Instagram, Instagram again. Stop trying to be like TikTok. I just want to see cute photos of my friends. Sincerely, everyone. And I feel like most people have this sentiment. So what then ensued was, Kim and Kylie reposted it to their stories. And then Instagram was forced to make a statement. You know what? I think that this really goes to show the literal power of our influence. Like if we band together and enough of us, enough people see it, whether that's 300,000 of us posting it or two celebrities that have millions of followers, we literally do have the power to invoke change. Uh, We just got to keep at it. So with that being said, a variety just released an article um, that says that Instagram is discontinuing a beta test of the full screen version of the feed, um, which is what was making it look like TikTok. And they are actually going to go back to what it was before then. One thing that's really interesting in the Variety article is that they touched on why reels are so important to Instagram. um, And it isn't just because people are leaving the app to go to TikTok for that. Um, According to the article, it says that Meta's ad revenue from Reels across Instagram and Facebook is now on a $1 billion annual run rate. Uh, So Reels is making Meta a shit ton of money, which is why they're pushing it, which is why they want us to create it more, which is why they want people to consume it more. Uh, So I do understand that. But at the end of the day, um, when your product, your app is based on 
the likability of the user, you got to listen to the users. You got to listen to us. And it's like, my issue is not with reels. Like I'm a video girl. I started on YouTube. So video is something that's very natural to me. It's something I enjoy doing. It's being forced to do video. So in his, in Adam's uh, video, he was just saying, you know, reels are performing more. Like users are wanting more reels. No, users are not wanting more reels. That's <laughs> only, the only thing you're promoting, the only thing you're showing our followers is real. So of course we're going to adapt to the system. Yep. I don't like, I want to post photos. If I want to post photos, I want to post reels. If I want to post reels and I don't want to be penalized for posting photos. Like granted, like not even 10% of our audience is really seeing our post in general. But if yep. you post a photo, you get in a couple of likes, like barely getting any reach, any engagement. And that's the issue. And it makes me wonder about the art of photography in general. Like, is this going to become a dying art? Are people not going to be photographers anymore? Where will they showcase their work? How will they get their name and their their art out there? Yeah, I just want Instagram to to listen to its users, to get back to its essence, and but still, you know, innovate, but still make it a place for photo sharing because where else can we share our photos? We, you know, we can go to Twitter, we can go to Tumblr, but who really has hundreds of thousands of followers on these platforms or even has the access to reach hundreds of thousands of people like Instagram. So I just wanted to get to a point to where we can post a photo and it does just as well as a reel. I want us to be able to reach our audience. Like 10% is ridiculous. 20% at the very, very least we should be reaching with just a picture of a latte. <laughs> the, the very not a, least not a latte, but like, that's, that's you know right. I feel like you know here at, con- at content at the content kingdom right you know we have the ability to enact laws to abolish to banish and I think we need to band together like you mentioned like we can enact change if we band yeah. together we all need to go back to posting them shitty photos with the <laughs> 50 million filters <laughs> remember, the, remember the HDR filter that was my favorite Yo. But... <laughs> The filters that Instagram came with, though, like those were that's what I was using Instagram for when it first came. I thought it was a photo editing app. It was monumental. It was like unheard of. We got to. okay. this is what we've got to do. Scroll all the way back to your very first post in Instagram. Add that to your stories. Yeah. Say bring this back. We want this Instagram back. And at (laughs) and at Instagram. Yes. At (laughs) Instagram. Yo, first things first, before we even get back into this conversation, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are on the road to 1,000 subscribers and more, but definitely give us a follow because we're, like we said, we bring in the production all the way up this season. So show us some love. So if you're an admirer of the increase in Black men embracing new sides of their masculinity online, I know I am. From deep cleaning their homes to booking manicures and practicing yoga, then you've probably become familiar with the eye-catching content of Carlos D. Harris. On top of amassing a following of over 600,000 on Instagram, Carlos is also the CEO of Harris Marketing and Media Group, a full-scale digital marketing agency. Carlos is also the founder of NEP Studios, which is a Dallas-based photography studio and a co-working space empowering creatives to reach new heights and expand their talents. As a creator, Carlos has experienced tremendous growth through his combination of charm, inspiration, and pure hustle, showcasing the behind the scenes of his everyday life. 
Content Kingdom, please give it up for Carlos. Hey, Carlos. Welcome to the Content Kingdom. I think you really represent a new era of creators and you're definitely a content king. So welcome. Appreciate you guys having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, yeah, let's jump right into it. Like, what do you do for a living? Like, So what I do for a living, it's always funny that people ask this because it's in my bio. <laughs> but um, I started off blogging um, when I was 22 years old. And about two years into that, I started a digital marketing agency just for the simple fact that I was kind of tired of 30, 60, 90 day nets. And that's not really a consistent paying job um, that company's going to pay on time. And then when I turned, I think it was 25, 26, I got a opportunity to open up a creative co-working space. It's called NEP Studios, stands for Never Ending Possibilities. Uh, With that co-working space, it was doing really well. Then a pandemic happened. We had a photography aspect to it that we kept, but we moved it to a different location, ended up building it out of October of 2020, I think it was 20 or 2021, uh, reopening that and uh, it's been doing great. A lot of my friends work there. It's a cool place where creatives can come, shoot at a competitive price point, still have some profit underneath their belt. And it has installations that change like every two months. So it's kind of like a new refresh thing. So it never gets boring. And with the installations, we go in and do it ourselves. I don't hire anybody to go do the painting and stuff like that. It's more of a team bonding experience that we get to do as a team. Uh, Because I feel like if you're going to be a part of my team, I need to be able to hang out with you. Uh, I don't want you to just come in and be by the book all the time. I hire people that you're not your traditional, like, graduates or anything like that. So uh, I have that space, and it's been doing well. And, yeah, that's a little bit about me. So you're originally from Dallas. I'm originally from Texarkana, Arkansas, but I've lived in Dallas since I was nine. So technically, I tell people I'm from Dallas, but yeah, Texarkana, nobody knows where that's at. It's on the border of Texas and Arkansas, um, and population very small. My granddad still lives there. I think it's amazing when people actually come here from New York, because you know I'm from New York, you know, um, the greatest city in the world, uh, just so m- many opportunities. So what brought you to New York? Uh, New York, originally, I was coming back and forth because um, I was dating my ex-girlfriend at the time. And I was just coming back and forth every single month. And at the time, I was self-employed, so it was easier for me to do that. And as that progressed, I started to see, like, I gained a lot of friends up here. And I saw the business opportunity to grow as a young entrepreneur because in Dallas, I felt like I reached a ceiling after I opened, like, my two businesses. I was like, I can either stay here and kind of be stagnant or I can go somewhere else and challenge myself to be around like-minded people. And I wanted to push myself to see if I could grow in another city um, because I'm always up for, like, another challenge. So that was one of my main reasons. My dad ended up moving up here a little bit before me, so that pushed me to come, too, because I'm always, like, wanting to be around my dad. Uh, I've been living with my dad since I was nine years old. I lived with my mom till I was nine. Love her. Love him. Uh, Great job raising me as a kid. I get a lot of my personalities from my mom, and then my work ethic mostly comes from my dad. So, yeah, I I made the move to challenge myself. What year was that? Uh, it'll be two years in May. Oh, so yeah. during the pandemic. Yeah, in the middle of that. I signed a lease right before that happened, so I didn't have a choice. So I just kind of packed up, moved up here, faced all that stuff, and just kind of kept it pushing. Do you feel like creators have to move to, like, a major city in order to, like, get their big break or to grow? I would say it's not a have to. Um, you can always succeed anywhere you go, depending on how you depict your content. My friend Ron always says, he visited Dallas. He's like, I don't know how you made this look the way it looked. So I would say it's mostly based on your creativity. The city's going to help because the aesthetic of New York is unmatched. Uh, just like L.A., that's unmatched, too. I think the aesthetic helps 
being in a major city, I would say connecting with like-minded people and being able to collaborate with those big names and get your name out there like that is super important. Um, but I don't, I wouldn't say it's like a, a detrimental thing if you don't live in a major city, but it definitely helps. I think that there's resources in major cities that, especially in the South, especially when we're talking about creativity, the South is just lacking. Yeah. I moved to L.A. from Alabama and then moved from L.A. to here three years ago. And it was kind of the same. Like when I was in the South, there wasn't really a booming creative industry or community. And then once you get here, especially if you're young and black, mm -hmm. I feel like it's just like the sky is the limit. Yep. You know? Yeah. I can agree with what you said about the South. Very behind. I stick out like a sore thumb there, especially yep. in Dallas. And I thought about going to Austin or Atlanta because I really love Atlanta because, you know, it's basically like Black Hollywood down there. Mm -hmm. Everyone supports each other. But I do think the South is definitely lacking. Absolutely. Um, so talk to us a little bit about your media uh, marketing group. What made you start that? How long have you been in business? And what has that transition been like, I guess, if you had it in Dallas, then moving to New York? So I've had my marketing company four years. The reason I started it because I was doing content for myself and building my own personal brand. And again, like the payments and stuff were always behind. And I knew if I could grow my personal brand, I could grow somebody else's. It's just about capturing what they need captured and then pushing that stuff out. So I developed that. We mostly focused on content creation at first. Mm -hmm. um, then I got more into just like the videography and then more of like the SEO backend stuff. So just because that's where a lot of the money is. Uh, the ads and stuff that you see pop up on Facebook, we curate those, put them up there for people to buy things. The content creation, you have to be on site all the time and it doesn't run by itself overnight and make the company money. So I started to develop that. Um, I taught myself SEO on Google and YouTube and then just kind of developed my style from there. I've worked with a bunch of different brands from RTA brand, Humphem LA, uh, Briggs Freeman Sotheby's International was our wow. biggest like realty client. We did 90 videos for them over the course of a year. What? And I was like at the beginning stages of my marketing company. Yeah, and it was the largest deal that we've done to date, oh. for sure. Um, but just continuously developing it. And again, I made it for the simple fact that I had creative friends around me too. And I wanted to give them positions that they could step into and not need a degree because I'm a college dropout. And Ooh, I'm always too. preaching <laughs> that you don't really need a degree to, to get into a, a space that you're really passionate about. So, yeah. Spent four years with that. Let's talk about this college dropout thing. I don't think mm -hmm. we actually have ever talked about that, aside from me, but other people. What made you drop out? What year were you in school when you decided to drop out? Um, so I was on full scholarship for football. Went there uh, at the University of North Texas, about 30, 45 minutes away from Dallas. And I have five credits left to graduate. Wait, yo, I need four. Yeah, what? five credits left to graduate. And... I'm not going to finish because it's not something that I'm passionate about. Yeah. The only reason I was thinking about finishing is because my dad and my mom wanted me to. But at the same time, it's my life. It's not theirs. They wanted me to finish because my mom didn't finish college. My dad didn't finish college. He went to the army. And I decided to do it just because I don't like sticking with things if I'm not going to do it 110%. And I think school is backwards. They don't teach you about credit. They don't teach you about financial literacy. Mm -hmm. They don't teach you about real life things that you actually have to use in life versus just charging a kid $100,000 to go in debt and you won't give me $100,000 to start my own business. So um, that was one of my reasons. And I was just kind of there to have fun, to be completely honest. So yeah, Bro. I have like five credits left and I'm, I'm kind of not going back. Yeah, I feel that. Are you a photographer? 
I can shoot. I don't okay. wouldn't consider myself a photographer because I know people take that comment very seriously. Yeah, I can definitely can shoot, shoot with the best of them. Though. <laughs> we I definitely can shoot with the best of them. If I put my all into it, I know I could be one, but it's not something that I'm like solely passionate about. So I'm not going to take it away from somebody else. I shoot my dad's stuff. I shoot my stuff. I shoot my friend's stuff. And it's some solid work. But yeah, I wouldn't say I'm a photographer now. Nah. Doing it all. You an author too? Facts. Facts. <laughs> Wait. I might write a book one day. Let's talk about this social media hacks one-on-one. Mm -hmm. What made you write this? What can we find? Can you give us like two hacks? Yeah. So I wrote that book. Uh, the first one that I released was probably like two years ago. It was a volume one. And it kind of went over the basics of social media because I think a lot of people overthink it. And I talked about this today on my story. There's no amount of times that you need to post per day. There's no time that you need to post. And there's no trending sounds that you need to use to grow an audience. I think growing an audience really comes from just being yourself, being authentic and sharing your story. Because if you're, if you're relatable to someone, I feel like you're going to grow an audience regardless of what it is. We all deal with anxiety. We've all dealt with depression. We've all dealt with something on a level to where you can relate to someone. So I made that book to give my, my insight on social media and not just like buy the book, like do this, do this, do this. There's like, there's 57 pages on it. And I would say, I'd say out of 57, there's probably 40 videos on there. Me just talking, sitting down, telling you exactly how I did this, how I did that versus just like, writing things out. And it's an active thing. You write things down. You set goals for yourself. And I definitely think like you live that because I probably started, I don't know, I'm not sure when we started following each other, maybe during the pandemic, mm -hmm. but I've just seen like your dedication and the amount of detail and just like how you just be on it. Yeah. <laughs> and you really like, you share your story, like the visuals are amazing. And then when you get to the caption, like you're left like knowing more about you, connecting more and taking something away. And I think that really embodies what creation is mm -hmm. and really providing value to your audience. So can you just talk about your overall messaging? Like, why do you create? I create to push people to be the best versions of themselves. I've gone through a period where I was a functioning depressant that I now notice as an adult. Um, but I always want to let people know that it's okay to, one, as a male, have feelings because we tend to shy away from sharing our feelings because of being judged and all the rest of that. And just pushing people to, one, step outside their comfort zone. If you don't feel like that you need to work a nine to five, step outside of it and try something because a lot of people don't try and they end up just going through life existing instead of actually living. So uh, I'm always pushing people to definitely step outside their comfort zone and take risk. I'm a risk taker. I don't tell everybody to be the type of risk taker that I am because I left my job with $2,000. That's probably not the smartest thing to do considering that your bills and all the rest of the stuff that happens in life, your transmission goes out, that's a rack. I'm only left with, you know, another rack to live, paying my rent, then I'm down to like $200. But me, I'm about big risk, big reward. And yeah, quitting my job was more of just like a self-conscious choice of, do I want to keep showing up here and being aggravated every single day and having open doors for people because I was a valet at Lexus um, and asking them how they're doing and I don't care. <laughs> so yes. I don't want to show up to somewhere and just be ready to leave. I want to show up to somewhere where I feel like I'm one, appreciated. And then two, I enjoy what I'm doing. So my messaging is always to find what you love and go do it. If you want to be the best janitor, be the best janitor, if that's your passion. Um, if you want to be the best CEO, go be the best CEO. Or if you want to go back, whatever it is, your level of success depends on what you think. I can't tell you that everyone's going to be entrepreneur because they won't. And I tell people that all the time. 
99% of you guys will not be CEOs. And that's fine. As long as you do something that you love, uh, that's what I continuously push on my social media. Dope. Yeah, definitely. You know, I always relate, go back to this Jay-Z video where he says, like, everybody has God-level talents, God-level yeah. ability. And it's really up to us to tap into that, to find what that is. And I feel like that's your life's work. Yeah. Find out what you're passionate about or what you're great in and go hard. Absolutely. 100%. So speaking of socials, I just saw on your Instagram that you interviewed John Legend. Yeah. Yes, that was so dope. Can you talk to us about how you got the opportunity, what it actually felt like to be there in that moment? So I got that opportunity through Ashley Home and Furniture. I just ended up partnering with them at the beginning of the year. Uh, we did something at the tail end of last year too, but they were having an event with Pandora and them together, just showing off the stuff that they're uh, transitioning their branding into more of like modern stuff. So um, out of 80 influencers that they chose, I found out I was the only person picked to interview him. Because wow. I thought we were going to, you know, go in and do our individual stuff. But uh, my rep has followed me for a minute and she said she trusted me uh, with that job, even though they gave me that 10 minutes before the actual interview. So I'm wow. sitting here looking at questions, trying to make sure that I go over the right stuff. But it was a cool experience. Um, I'm not an interviewer, like I told my following I, I am just a person that I'll take on any challenge and I can get better at things that I do. And it was really cool. He was super nice. Um, he answered the questions really well. He actually asked me a couple of questions too. And overall, it was just a great experience to one, step outside my comfort zone and challenge myself in a new area that I'm not familiar with and just continuously grow my knowledge in new areas. So it was really, really cool that they gave me that opportunity to do that. What other cool things have you gotten to do because of your following your, your, as an influencer? Uh, I just took a trip uh, to Tennessee and actually did a campaign with Lexus. I went as a plus one, but it was always funny to bring that full circle moment because I used to valet the cars that we were driving off-road. Um, so that was really cool. I've been able to just travel the world for free, to be completely honest, and just get paid to be myself. I would say that's the coolest thing possible outside of, you know, getting paid for it. So, Where's one of your favorite places that you've been? Travel what for like uh content? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I love LA. Okay. I definitely love we LA. Love a good LA yeah. I didn't do like a campaign for it, but going to Oregon was super cool. It was peaceful. The air quality is completely better than the city. You can actually breathe fresh air. I felt that out there in Tennessee too. But I would say just going to more peaceful places outside of like a major city is something that I enjoy more than anything because I live in one. Um, but yeah, I would say LA is definitely cool and Oregon was definitely dope too. Let's take it back a couple years. Mm -hmm. You started a blog. What was the name? Uh, so I started my streetwear blog. It was called Street Lux. I don't know how I came up with that name. I'm not really great with names. <laughs> um, but yeah, I started that and I started like writing just small reviews. It's no longer on my site now. It's kind of hidden, but I do have some like reviews over old clothing lines and stuff that I've worked with and just did like a two-minute write-up because I know people's attention span. It really isn't that long. Uh, I've been really great at writing my entire life. Punctuation, not really there. <laughs> uh, so I send it over to my aunt, um, and she always breaks it down for me, makes it sound a little bit better. Um, so, yeah, I started that just typing. And I feel like it was kind of new at that time for people to be reading that stuff from, like, a male blogger um, outside of a couple of people that I knew. So I definitely took pride in piecing it together and making it a really great read for them. Were there any people that inspired you during that time? I had a couple of people that I looked up to on like a blogging level. Mm -hmm. The one thing that I told my dad when I first started blogging was I wanted to become a hybrid. 
I didn't want to get stuck in one lane because at one point I'm going to work with every streetwear company that there is. And I've done that. And after that, there's nothing else I can do to provide value besides, you know, standing in front of a wall and tagging like my outfits. So I started to study other people. I study Alex Costa because he's a very um, predominant male influencer, but it's mostly in the, you know, white space. It's not really in the black space. And I didn't see a creator doing anything like that and then being versatile in different areas. So I want to be able to work with uh, Ashley Hillman Furniture. I want to be able to work with the Dyson. Also, you know, Neiman Marcus, stuff like that. I want to be able to work with multiple different people because if you want to make some serious money in blogging, it's not in streetwear. It is, absolutely not. Not in yeah. fashion, period. It's definitely not <laughs> in fashion. At all. That's not what pays. They try to penny pinch. But uh, all your supplement companies and stuff like that is where the money's at. Mm-hmm. Facts. What year did you start this blog? Because you said it was late. So I'm curious. So... Like, or it was early. You said it was early in the game. It was when I was 22. So when I was 2016, 2017. Honey, we were already having yeah, we were girl, well, Listen, sir. We was out of here. You were not early to the blogging game. For me. and I started, nah. Because you Brian Boyd. I started getting oh, yeah, paid like right etiquette. off the rip. Brian etiquette. Boyd, yeah, street etiquette. Yeah, because the, the foundation was set. Yeah. Imagine coming in this game with like... Nothing. No blueprint. We no started, inspiration. We started our <laughs> blogs. I started my blog in 2007. Oh, Kia started congratulations! You're like Denny, 2008 or nine. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, I'm big I know fan Denny. Of Denny. I big love fan Denny. Of Denny. Shout out Denny. Yes, <laughs> um, but yeah, so you was you you were not new in the game. I mean, you were yeah. not old in the game. But it's funny to hear that from someone because on the, in the grand scheme of things, you have been creating content for a long time. Yeah, I did right? YouTube for a while. I yeah. just wasn't on Instagram like that. But even like four years of doing this yeah, is considered a long time because there are people mm-hmm. who were just starting last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a tough lot now. of people started during the pandemic, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. What do you think about that? Like, did you see like people like we've all seen the growth, like mm-hmm. everybody became content creator during this time. Yep. Do you feel like that helped the industry, hurt the industry? To consider yourself a content creator is a strong, like, statement. Okay. Because taking your phone and taking a picture of your outfit on the wall, that's not really content creation nowadays because all of those things are DSLRs. I think content creation is very attention to detail and being able to tell a story. And that's what I try to do, like, on all my videos is tell a story from point A to point Z. So... I don't really think that everybody should be called a content creator because this is an actual job. Just like you can't call yourself a surgeon just because you can cut open a frog. So I take that like very seriously, but I think a lot of people got into it because they thought it was like a very easy thing to get into. And you start to realize that there's a lot of people out here doing the same thing, but what separates you from someone else? So yeah, content creation, I think it's an art. It's definitely an art. And some people just think that you take a picture, boom, boom, boom. I could give everyone the blueprint of how to set up two phones and do two different angles, but our edits will be completely different because um, I take it very seriously, the work I put out. I don't put out anything that I'm not proud of. We definitely can see that. We'll take a quick break and be right back. You know, you're a content creator, you got a marketing firm, you have a photography studio, um, you have a YouTube and a podcast. So you're truly a content king. I actually listened or watched one of your podcasts. It was on leaving your nine to five. And from someone who actually left their nine to five, I would say like this year makes it four years. It was on point from 
the 401ks giving you structure from the nine mm-hmm. to five. Um, and then into the freelance life where you're like, you're Philly, you're truly living the life of your dreams on your terms and just having that freedom. And for me personally, I think that it's worth it. So can you talk to us about that particular episode, like more in depth? Uh, so like leaving the nine to five is something that everyone's always like interested in. And I wanted to touch on the pros and cons because there's always pros and cons to anything. And I think that, again, a lot of people stick around at nine to fives because they think it's a very like secure job. But for me, I don't think there's such thing as security because you have a pandemic happen. Everyone gets laid off. I've seen my dad get laid off five times in my lifetime working at corporate. And I think there's just kind of like a lack of respect for people as humans because they have families. Um, And he got laid off over the phone. And I just think talking to him and him working there over 10 plus years that I just felt like that was disrespectful. And I just never wanted to go that route to let someone hang my livelihood over my head. Um, But there is, you know, some great things about a nine to five because you do get benefits. As a entrepreneur, you got to provide your own health care and all the rest of that stuff. Um, And they can put stuff back in a 401k for you. But at the same time, as a creator, you can do the same thing for yourself and place that money back. Uh, Chase has a thing where you can put 20% 20% back, whatever percentage it is, and you can put in the dollar amount. So say if there's anything deposited over $50, 20% of that goes towards your savings. I have that set up, so I don't even have to worry about it. You get a check, it already sends it down there and your savings continues to grow. Um, so that's basically kind of what a 401k is. They just match it and all the rest of that stuff. But that episode was there to one, give both sides of it. Cause I feel like at the beginning of my journey, I kind of shitted on nine to fives. And I had to realize that Again, not everybody's going to be a CEO, so I have to transition this message into letting them know that there's pros and cons to anything in life. And if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. But when I speak about entrepreneurship passionately, just know that I'm not shitting on you guys. This is just something that I am very passionate about, and I feel like this is my lane in life, and that's the route that I want to go. Definitely. Like, you you mentioned something of about, like, it was a quote. You had a quote at the end of it, like, living to live for your passion. It was something like that. Do you remember the quote? So I know I always say um, some people just go through life existing Mm -hmm. and not actually living. So it's probably something along those lines. And you want to wake up every single day and be happy what you're doing. I just think you should definitely wake up every single day and love what you do versus just going somewhere to actually pay the bills. And I think that's what a lot of people do. They wake up, they go to work. I got to get this check real quick so I can pay these bills. Versus one, this is something that I said in there that I want to reiterate. You're already broke anyway, (laughs) living paycheck to paycheck. And if you have a passion outside of nine to five, you're going to be just as broke. So why not go try that and struggle too? At least you wake up every day loving Mm -hmm. what you do versus going somewhere that you hate it. You're still struggling the same. I woke up with $2,000, but... I felt the freest I ever felt in my life and then just got on a routine. And once you have 40 hours to yourself, it's up to you and you can't make any excuses of why you're getting hold at work. My boss isn't giving me any overtime. They're cutting my hours, all the rest of this stuff. You can't blame anyone. So I like that part of entrepreneurship because it's, uh, it's all on your shoulders and you can make it uh, the best or you can make the worst. So there's something called the nine to five mentality. Have you heard of it? No. It's pretty much like the structure and the way you conduct yourself at a nine to five. Like you're at work from nine to five and, you know, you dedicate that time to your business. Would you say that there's any other things that you might have taken from your previous job that has helped you as a creator, as an entrepreneur? Uh, From a job? 
I don't know if I've really actually like learned something from a job because I only worked one full time. In college, I did part-time jobs. At Lexus, I learned customer service takes you a long, a long way, learning to speak to people, communication skills and stuff like that. But I didn't particularly learn too much because I've been structured my entire life because I've played sports. I would say sports probably played a major part in the way that I carry myself now, my worth ethic. I'm used to being up in the morning um, and getting, you know, the hard work done and structuring my day. But yeah, I don't think a nine to five ever provided me anything that I do now. <laughs> so, so I can't give them any credit for that. <laughs> Most factual. Kia, what about you? You feel like you're nine to five. Well, you do talk about that. I talk about like the skills I developed yeah. there. You know, intellectual property has helped me as a creator. Working in entertainment law has definitely helped me as a creator. Um, but even the structure of it, knowing that I have to dedicate, like it, it's helped and has hurt me because I still feel like I'm trying to fit the nine. Because you got to understand, like up until four years ago, I was working since you could work. Yeah. I mean, I was always having jobs because I was always quitting because I get to some place, <laughs> if I don't like it, I'm going at lunchtime. Like, I don't As play them should. games. Wait, you just leave at lunchtime? <laughs> yeah, you just don't come back. back? Don't keep the check Wait, for your time. What? I've done it. I'm like, do that. I've just walked out of the studio. I'm going home. Well, all right. Dang. See you. I was like, and now I'm, I'm probably speaking from a privileged standpoint because, you know, um, I still was living with my parents, so I had that cushion. And so, but that also gave me that confidence to be able to be like, boom, I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the structure of just working, like working hard, work ethic, um, or just like continuously working like every day, putting in work. Yeah. And so now trying to fit like my creative life into this nine to five bubble or the opposite is that's where I'm finding issues. It's like, if it's nighttime, it's just like, I'm not supposed to be working yeah. versus if I'm inspired, yeah. then I work when I'm inspired. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, I, agree with that. I wonder if, the difficulty is because you did work a nine to five. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I could see how, because it's so different. It's a mm -hmm. different culture. It's mm -hmm. a different mindset. It's yeah, a different, it, everything is different about it. So I definitely understand. Very much. Um, I also was listening to the podcast and I listened to the episode, I think it's called, Is Social Media Ruining Society? Yeah. And I loved it. When, this is something we talk about on the podcast all the time. I am the the number one influencer to be like, I'm about to quit this. I don't want anything to do with social media. I hate this. I hate it here. We all have that time. I hate what it's, it's a love-hate relationship. Yeah, I hate I what did. it's done to society. And something interesting you said was that you feel like the Kardashians specifically have yeah. ruined the way that we view and perceive beauty. Absolutely. Um, so as a woman, I feel that heavily. Um, yeah. It's very rare that I wear any makeup. It's very rare that like I do a thing to to anything to mm -hmm. alter what I look like online. And as a woman, it's a little intimidating um, and it can cause insecurities because we don't know what men are looking for, right? Like yeah. we see men scrolling, y'all following all the baddies, mm -hmm. all the girls that have the Kardashian bodies. But to hear you say, you know, nah, y'all fucked up. Yeah. Our idea and perception of beauty. Can you talk oh. a little bit about that from a male perspective? So, yeah, when I touched on that, I think, yeah, they've, totally shifted the way that people view themselves and the filters catered towards all that stuff. And you got kids that are growing up looking at that, especially what is it, Gen Z, uh, that literally just grew up with social media because I'm in the millennial stage to where it was before it. And then we kind of were the first ones to kind of get on it. Uh, so I think that the perception of beauty has been geared towards just like super slim in the hips uh, or super slim waist, wide hips, big tits, like all that stuff. Like, you don't need that to consider yourself beautiful. To me, 
You can be all natural. You don't need all that. You were born beautiful in your own way. Someone's going to love you for who you are. So I think that it's taken like a dramatic like impact on how people view themselves. They'll go in and Facetune. I've seen like some of my friends just literally go in and just edit, edit, edit. And I'm like, bro, like you understand that you have to meet people in real life, correct? Mm, so when you meet part. someone in real life, are you going to bring that filter with you? So what I happens when you that. meet someone in real life? Like, let's say you, I don't know if you're dating. I have no idea. You yeah. don't even have to say it. But let's say you're not. Hypothetically, you're not. Mm-hmm. And you meet someone that you met online and you meet them in person and they are complete. It's a whole different human yeah. that shows up in person. What do you do? Keep it 100. I'm definitely going to text my friend Ron and say, bro, call me and you got an emergency. Facts! That is not keeping it 100! I'm out. No. No, I'm keeping it 100 on here. Yeah, okay. I'm like, in person, you just going to tell them. Because I don't think I've ever been catfished. I'm pretty good at vetting. Like, I know what a filter is. I know, like, specific angles. If you're going to be doing this, that, and the other. Like, I'm pretty good at that. I've been on social media for a minute. So, yeah, I'm definitely phoning a friend (laughs) and I'm out. (laughs) And I'll, I'll make it, I'll be like, hey, I'm going to be nice about it yeah. because, yeah. you know, you're I, a king. I can be very straightforward and I can be considered an asshole sometimes because I'm blunt. Are you a Sagittarius? No, I'm a Scorpio. Oh, yeah. So, Even worse. like, my dad grew up being very straightforward <laughs> with me. So if I don't like something, I'm just like, I don't like this. Yeah. I'm not a buy the book person, but yeah, I'm going to skate out. Definitely going to skate out. Does it go down in the DMs, though? What do you mean? Like... <laughs> DMs wise? Yeah, like yeah. How, how is it being a male influencer? Because we know. Yeah. Yeah. We know. Well, yeah. you no, guys we know. Crazy. I would love to know. Nobody slides in my DMs. It be girls. That's cat. I'm actually, I swear. It be girls. Like, oh, but you know. Cat? But dudes don't. But yes, I do know. So what is it like being a male influencer with 600K plus followers? So you do get people. I had someone's mom. There's a few moms. <laughs> no, but this is the angle. They're like, yo, I think you're perfect for my daughter. And I'm like, why don't you, why doesn't your daughter come over here and say this? Like, why is the mom coming? But yeah, you'll get people to be like, oh, marry me. And then on TikTok, they'll look at something like, they'll say something like, if you need a dog, I can bark. Like what? crazy shit. Yeah. If you need me to be the lamp, I can stand in the corner. It's not been anything like I don't get like nudes. I definitely okay. don't get nudes. Okay, but you but get people sliding in the DMs. People like, shoot their yeah, shot all the time. So you have people's moms sliding in the DMs asking about their daughters, but do yeah. you ever have anybody sliding in the DMs asking about your daddy? Oh, absolutely. What? I definitely did. She responded. I tell you, daddy, his DMs are open just like mine. His DMs are just. No, because it was Carlos Harris Senior. It's his stuff. If you guys need it, but now you got put in a good word. What you mean? See, like, growing up, like, <laughs> all my friends in, in high school, their moms used to be after my dad. Like, oh, I'd wow. be like, yo, I saw your mom in my house the other day, so wow. <laughs> I really don't need to talk about anything else. But, no, definitely everyone hits me up and thinks my dad's my brother. I don't know why I have to lie about my dad being my dad. But, yeah, he definitely looks young for his age, That's 51 right. years old. Still doing a great job getting him paid on social media now. We love to see it. Got him a Puma deal. Yes. All that stuff, so That's dope. He's doing great. So you definitely promoted becoming a male influencer. Like, what tips do you have for men out there looking to do this? Be yourself. Go get a manicure. I don't care if anybody tells you it's the most feminine thing that you can do. Meanwhile. Bruh, there's nothing like... (laughs) Having a nice set, having your jewelry go with it, use shea butter, drink water, take your vitamins. Um, And again, just be yourself. Share your feelings. I think that a lot of male influencers don't share their feelings. Like my friend Ron was kind of hesitant for a while about just like 
sharing his thoughts on things because he's from Philly and you know how Philly is. I'm um, just growing up in that environment and most people aren't open about um, if things are bothering them and stuff like that. But he's seen tremendous growth growing from 40K to now uh, I think it's 112K because we made that shift. I'm like, yo, bro, we're going to go this route and this is the way that we're going to be able to continuously build our brand. We're adding value to someone's life, whether it's a male or a female, um, that you're, I guess, promoting things to both can get value from it. What was, what's your split? Like male and female? It's mostly male. Well, yeah, I'm trying that. to keep it that way because when a brand looks at my demographic, it needs to be males. It doesn't need to be females. Um, I mean, we buy, we got a huge buying power, especially no, black women. Yeah. It's like, there's only so much that I could promote that could be unisex. Like the diffuser did a really good job mm -hmm. because that can be anybody that buys that. But you know, Gillette, you guys but really probably aren't using But we're also buying things for the men in our lives. That's true. Yeah. yeah that's so that's true. why male influencers are like, you get it from both ends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? So I think y'all have a very unique positioning when it comes to working with brands and just yeah. having that uh, leverage for sure. Definitely. But do you feel like men or male influencers should consider women when creating content? Yes. Okay. And what do you feel? Do you consider women while you're creating content? I do. Okay. I've strayed away from some song choices. Okay. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, that means you're reading the room. Yeah. yeah. In what ways has networking um, and community building impacted or helped elevate your career? Networking has been great. Like when I first came to New York on my first trip up here, I was able to network with different photographers and keep that, you know, clean aesthetic whenever I was traveling somewhere. I mean, just get insight on the city, showing me around, getting familiar with the area. So every single time that I pop up in a city, I have someone where to somewhere to stay. Because I stayed on Justin's floor the first time I came up here. Um, and then if I go to Atlanta, I got my boy down there that I can go with. Those connections are really important because, one, you save money, especially if you're starting out and you don't have a bunch to spend on hotels and stuff like that. Those connections are really good. And I think just meeting like-minded individuals is always going to push you to be your better self. Uh, me and Ron always challenge each other to make the best videos that we possibly can. And I just think on social media in general, if you see someone doing better than you, it should be motivation to go get that not hating and then going in the comments and saying slick shit um so yeah <laughs> yes yes you need to get some off your chest you know yeah. you know the girls oh. over here we like to tussle okay oh. so if you need to let it out we people are, you. it's a place to do it people are internet tough guys that's of course, all I'm of course. they always are um you mentioned ron yeah. i believe like who else is in your whole little crew uh my crew is like small. i don't want to say little crew. i mean godly center uh she's a photographer I've known Godly for probably four or five years. Really cool with Josh Sobel, um, Ron, uh, my boy Praise. I have like a very like small knit group of people that I communicate with on kind of like a daily basis. Um, kind of more of like a, a introvert. So, Do you guys like collaborate in a sense like, oh, we're all going to create this type of content to kind of boost things? Like mm -hmm. how, do, how are you guys working to, number one, promote yourself, but then also obviously lift, lift each other up? So now using the collaboration tool, like me and Ron created a reel and I wanted to show one just like friendships and that bromance that you're supposed to have with like your best friend, either one going out, going shopping, shooting each other's content, helping each other that way, um, going out to eat because people don't spend time with their like male friends and stuff like that. And then sharing that, especially as like a black male, um, that you're pushing your friend to continuously be better. So I think that just helping each other, one, promote each other on each page, using that collaboration tool and just continuously growing, telling him, like I told you guys, streetwear is not going to be it, bro, because you're going to hit a wall. 
and then use this money they were making on Instagram to go invest in real life stuff. Yep. Because yeah, we might be cool for the rest of our lives, but I don't want to be doing this the rest of my life. <laughs> I told someone that once I hit a $5 million mark that I have, I probably won't do content anymore. I will go live in a foreign country and just chill. Same. Yo, that is the <laughs> Just chill. Oh, that is it. So, yeah. Same. Someone told me the other day, like, yo, you be doing too much during, during the day. Like, you have too many things going on. And I told them, I would rather have this much going on right now at 36. Yeah. So that by the time I'm 45, I have absolutely nothing going Chilling. on. Nothing. Yeah. So Counting my millions. Yes. <laughs> you brought up the word bromance. Yeah. I love that. I love to hear Black men embracing different sides of their masculinity. Mm -hmm. So can you talk to us about what has that been like for you online, just talking about masculinity, um, even having a bromance and being yeah. comfortable enough to say that and speak about that? I would say it's been like, it's a 50-50 thing. Some people are like, yo, bro, like I needed this because I've been in situations where people make fun of me if I do this, that, and the other. I get comments again on the manicure thing all the time. Oh, bro, you shouldn't be doing that. You're a dude, bro, who cares? Stuff will go viral on TikTok and everyone kind of gives their opinion. But at the end of the day, as long as you're secure with yourself, opinions really don't matter. And I think that you should cherish your friendships because as you get older, those shits get a lot more slim. You're not having 10, 12 friends that you're able to just call up whenever. And if you need something, they're going to be there. So I think a bromance is definitely things that you should do with your friends. Lift up your friends. Tell them how to get better at whatever it is. Ron wasn't too fond on, again, grooming. I'm like, yo, bro, my dad's always told me, bro, have straight teeth and have nice nails or no, nobody's going to like you. I'm Y'all keep talking about that. this nail thing and I'm just it's over okay. here hiding. It's yeah, okay. I'm like, you're good. No. <laughs> but no, I think it's super important to yeah. push your friends um, and just push males in general to be more comfortable doing things that aren't your traditional norm. Go get a massage, bro. Take yourself Epsom salt bath. Right. I'm trying to relax. Yeah. Basic stuff. You're a human. Yep. They were, like, I saw the video on TikTok that went viral. And, like, it's just, like, y'all mad because he's showing y'all how to self-care? Like, how to actually groom yourself? Understand. I don't understand To be presentable? Like, it's very basic stuff. Cleaning your positive. home. Yeah, and positive. I think that the internet just has this vendetta against men the narrative of what it means to be masculine. Even yeah. I'm sure you guys challenged. have seen like that video of that little black boy cooking. He's like using mm -hmm. a little cooking set yeah. and it went viral because people are like, why do you have him playing with a girl toy? Yeah. And it's like at the end of the day, when you're a 28 year old man, you still need to learn how to cook. Cook. Like that's basic survival skills. A homie cookbook with some little uh, recipes, especially <laughs> the pesto pasta, shrimp pesto pasta. Definitely need that. If you can cook, women love that. Come on we now. Do, we do. Who Sit. wants to be in the kitchen the entire time? Learn facts, how to cook. Facts. I'm going to be watching the NBA game. Anyway, <laughs> um, over the last year or so that I've been following you, I've seen your content go from sneakers. And that's the originally why I started following you because, you know, I'm a kid. Mm -hmm. So are you. Um, and I've saw the transition from streetwear, sneakers. Um, you showed us a little bit of cooking. And then you went into the whole, the whole like, uh, home cleaning vlog type of content. And... What would you, at what point, I would say, would you attribute like that growth? Like, when did you start seeing that growth? And at what point of your creation process or being inspired with the, cre with the content that you was creating, mm -hmm. did you see that growth? So I tested it out on TikTok first because TikTok has an algorithm that's more catered towards the creator. Um, they're going to push out videos no matter like how many followers you have. They're going to serve up to 10 people, 100, 1,000, then 10,000. And it goes off, um, you know, engagement based on that. 
So I told Ron, I was like, yo, I'm going to test this out on TikTok because my audience isn't too familiar with it over there, but I'm going to see how it works. Started to piece together videos. It was more time-lapsey doing like the cleaning stuff and just going through my regular routine. And it's just B-roll of my life. Every vlog is just B-roll. Obviously, some shots have to be set up. If you're like leaving or something like that, it has to be set up. But um, I would say TikTok first had one go viral on there. And I was like, okay, cool. Let's test that on Instagram. Put it up, did pretty well. Good perception on it. And then people started to see my routine because everyone likes to see like the behind the scenes of how you go through your day and how you're successful. They want to see those steps. They want to, they don't just want to see the end result. And I think pictures are the end result. Uh, so I tested it on TikTok and then I started to use call to actions on TikTok to drive traffic to my Instagram. So say for instance, like the recipe, I put the recipe on TikTok and I said, hey, if you want the recipe, DM me on Instagram. So when that goes viral, every single person on there comes to my Instagram, asks for that recipe, and they're introduced to my Instagram content that's now shifting at the same time. So they're getting exactly what they want on another platform that they may be on um, more time than the other. So uh, yeah, I just tested it out, continuously put my foot on the pedal. And then once I figured out what type of style I wanted to go with editing, I started just practicing that over and over and over. Because to me, it's about dynamic movement. And it's about storytelling. No one cares to see you in the same spot over and over, unless it's from a different perspective. That's why there's two different cameras set up there, shooting at different angles, so I can give them different looks. And then once I move, I'm transitioning into something else. And then music. Music is super important to content, because you want someone to vibe with your content, and then keeping your clips between 0.8 seconds and max one. One second should be something very scenic. If it's my view outside of my house, everyone's going to love that, and they're going to sit there for a second. If I'm brushing my teeth, 0.8, 0.6 seconds, snap to the other thing and continuously tell a story that way. Okay, wait. So you said you post this recipe on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Like you post the video and the recipe in the... No, no just the video. video. Okay, and then you said I recipe. Pin a I just comment. wanted to make sure. Okay. Pin a so comment and then everyone has to come to my Instagram. In order to get it. Yeah. But were you actually DMing these people back? With... Absolutely. Oh, wow. That's Took my dope. time. DM every, it's just copy, paste, copy, yeah. paste, copy, paste. Take 15 minutes in the morning, copy, paste, copy, That's paste. That's beautiful. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm learning strategy. Yeah, so it's just about testing the waters. I had made a whole video about um, using TikToks to definitely facilitate other social medias because you can go viral in there like for anything, but make sure it's the correct thing. Going viral for the wrong reasons, you're not going to get an audience. I didn't grow in following because I was doing something stupid. I was growing a following because one, it just tells you that people don't have their life structured. And humans crave routine and they like to see that routine and they need a routine for themselves. And if they can pick something from what I have going on and add it to their life, that's value. And value brings you an audience because I've been preaching the same message for years. It's mostly just been on my story though. And if you can have something that can live forever on your page that people can share, that's where you see growth. Dope. Um, what are some unique, I guess, opportunities that male influencers can have right now? that you've seen that are different than um, just, different than female or unisex opportunities? I mean, home decor, uh, opening up that lane. I mean, with the Ashley Home and Furniture stuff, like that's that's something, I don't see too many male influencers working with them on interior design and stuff like that. I think there's that and then grooming. A lot of the companies doing grooming were particularly geared towards Gillette, but then you have Bevel and stuff like that. And then I just got a, um, a campaign with Shea Moisture. Ooh, They're congrats. getting more into, you know, male grooming and taking care of yourself because they see the shift. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's a lot of opportunities to get the, the grooming, the interior design. There's a bunch of different things that you can get into that aren't just particularly just towards like 
males in general or just as a, a unisex thing that you can definitely build on. Do you have like any benchmarks? Because I remember just uh, following you, watching your posts or reading your captions and you saying like, you know, you grew X amount in this month. Mm -hmm. Like, can you break it down? Like where do you remember where you were you were at yeah. and like how that growth went? So like my first goal was 200K and that was by the end of last year. And I wanted to reach that 200K mark because you can charge X amount of dollars. You're still considered in that kind of micro-influencing mm -hmm. thing. Companies like to go out to micro-influencers. So I was thinking on the terms of getting more deals and not being too large right. to where you yeah. can't really Price work with like out. a local brand because your rate's too high. So 200 was the mark. Once I passed that, I was just like, yo, I'm just going to continue to grow it because there's going to be somebody that pays me for my value. Um, and I still do kids solids sometimes if they have like brands that are up and coming because I know what it is to start. And I did a, a kid had some shorts. Um, it's called, called Ohana brand. He gave me the shorts, posted it for like $200. The kids sold out in like 10 minutes. Yes. So, yes. and he put me inside of his book on how to one, approach influencers and how to get the most out of what your budget is. So I was like, yo, I'll do you a solid, bro, because I know you're starting up. And then he's paid me more ever since then. So it's all about just getting your foot and your foundation. But growing the following, it was definitely a 200,000 mark. But now I'm going for a million. Um, I want to be the best creator on the app, hands down, um, and just continue to share my life. And it will never be any fake shit. If I, uh, if you ever see me do any fake shit, please call me on it. I'm going to pull that card uh, My life quick. is just B-roll. I show that I got OCD. My apartment is very particular. And it's very just um, in place. So I like to show that every single day and I don't sugarcoat shit. I'm 100% myself. Um, I don't care if brands don't want to work with me. Somebody else will. There's a new brand born every single day. So, um, yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, I smoke weed all yeah. day, every me day. Too. I have a business promoting, selling weed. Me too. <laughs> and before I did this, my manager was like, Yo, you got to chill with the cannabis. Brands are not going to want to work with you. So what made you start incorporating cannabis content and, and are you comfortable? How and why are you comfortable? Or how do you even get to that point? Yeah. I started incorporating it because I was on the phone. Again, I've shared that I smoke on my story, but I get a lot of questions. Do you smoke? Yes, I smoke. I don't think I could deal with a lot of the shit that I have to deal with <laughs> if I didn't smoke. But I think there's a stigma behind it that needs to be torn down. Obviously, if you overuse anything, it could be bad. But if you're using it for reasons that benefit you as a person, that's totally fine. So I was just like, yo, I'm going to spark up in one of these videos and I want to see how everyone reacts. Video does great. Damn, bro, I know you smoke. Honey, I just got more respect for you that you're smoking. You're able to be creative and still be on top of your shit because most people think if you smoke, you're lazy uh, and you're not lazy. I can smoke and fold my clothes. I'm focused. Microdose throughout the day. I'm doing this I podcast. don't smoke when I'm, you know, taking <laughs> meetings or anything like that, but... I don't see there anything, I don't think there's anything wrong with smoking. There's a kid that does like all the cooking stuff. I think his name's um, Dante. I sent him Two million yeah. followers. Yeah. yeah. Smoking, vibing in the kitchen. Yeah. And he's going to get some deals from a cannabis company and food companies who are on board with that. And I as the world continues to shift and that stigma goes away because it's just been this bad thing. I don't know anything that's bad that grew from the earth that God put here for us to smoke. But yeah, we can smoke cigarettes. Doesn't make all any the sense. Alcohol. You were talking yep. about like all the yeah, alcohol. Yeah, and alcohol. Too. These alcohol it's brands. All detrimental. These alcohol brands are paying millions oh, to yeah. creators. And it's horrible yeah. for your system. It's terrible. 
So I'm glad that that there's another creator, that there are other creators out there that aren't just cannabis content creators, that are just mm-hmm. lifestyle creators that are sharing the healing benefits of this plant. So kudos yeah. to you for that. Thank you. Appreciate it. I definitely had like a rolling paper company reach out to me right after that. Yo, yeah, they, they don't, will. People don't know that you smoke. Well, no. like, fuck it. We'll just show it. So and I did the, back-to-back videos. And they have money. Like cannabis Absolutely. is a billion-dollar industry as well. They have the money. Yeah. So you mentioned posting something on TikTok to get people to Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever post a TikTok to Instagram or like vice versa? Or do you like cater your content for like each individual platform? And like what are the benefits and growth as you see? Sometimes I'll post um, duplicate content on both because some people don't go over to Instagram. They prefer TikTok. But sometimes I do use TikTok for other things of short form that I won't put on my Instagram because Instagram, I'm trying to do long form content when it comes to videos because people's watch time and stuff like that. So I would say um, I kind of do a little bit of both of duplicate and then some stuff is just catered towards both um, or catered just towards TikTok. How do you balance? I think what you what you do really well is just finding that balance between strategy and authenticity. Can you talk to us about how you find that, like the formula? I'm pretty sure it's a formula for you. So to me, if I if I wake up and I feel inspired, I create. If I don't feel inspired, I don't create. I don't force anything. I'll take days to myself. I'll have two, three days where I don't post on my story. Um, I don't think there's a particular like strategy that I hold to. It's just more of how I'm feeling. Like I woke up today, I was like, I'm in a good mood. Let me record this, this, and this. I just got back home, get back into routine. I got a nice structured day that could help someone. So I think it's valuable content that I'll go ahead and put it out. And I will say like at the beginning, like your stories, this is just kind of a tip. Uh, If you let your stories expire, start your stories off with a nice little video. I like to create short vlogs, not just me, you know, walking down a hall or something like that. Different angles, put a poll up. Start your uh, story off on a good foot and continue to build that storyline throughout your day. Um, from one, me shaving, using my pre-workout, going to the gym, going to the gym, strong results, giving a little inspirational quote, shooting with my dad, when I got my nails done, I'm here, going to go to dinner, wrap it all up, and it's going to be a cool-ass little vlog. So the strategy is more of just like how I feel. I'll go a week without posting. I don't feel like I should overload people with content and think that that's going to grow my audience. I want to put out quality work that's going to live on um, for X amount of time. Because I think I had one on Instagram that's 7 million. Wow. And that was to, uh, Free Mind by Tim's. And then, you know, everybody jumped on that wave. I didn't even know they knew that song. Yeah. It's been out for a minute. Facts, it has been. It's yeah. a good one, though. How do you handle creative burnout? Creative burnout, I stop. I've learned that if you try to force content, it comes out horrible. And you're not satisfied with it. And then the results aren't what they, what you want them to be. And um, I just have a reset routine. I, uh, I'll take time to myself. I'll go get a massage, uh, take a walk, go to the park, and take as much time as I possibly need to get back into a creative space to where I feel inspired. Because I know you talked about um, feeling inspired at night. I created a reel at 11 o'clock at night one time. Um, it's one of my fashion ones. It was inside my closet, tossing a shoe back, transitioning. But I just felt it at that time. So whenever you feel it, go for it. When you're not feeling it, don't feel obligated to post just to keep up with your audience. Your audience is going to be there if they truly fuck with you. They're not going to leave because you were gone for a month. If you need to take a mental break for yourself, do that and come back when you're ready to create and you feel inspired. So I would say that's how I deal with it. So what about brand work? How much of your work that you're actually putting out there is brand work versus what percentage is just you being openly, freely creative? Most of my content is just organic content. 
And a lot of people can't even tell when I post ads. And that's what I really focus on is not making it too like addy. I'm not here to sell you stuff. Like the diffuser, it was just in the video. And people are going to ask questions as they see it, or if they're interested, they'll dive deeper into it. But I'm not here to hold up a product like some of these influencers and just tell Shade. you to go buy something. Shade. I'm not here to be your salesman. I'm here to do product placement. If people want to go buy it, they do that. So um, a lot of my content is organic. And the branded stuff, I try to keep it as organic as possible. I let brands know this is my creative lane. This isn't yours. I've turned down plenty of deals, scrapped work. Um, I had a video, they didn't agree with the music choice. So I told them to keep the money, still posted it. It did 1.6 million. And everybody else asked what the product was. But in the caption, I told them this project got scrapped and I'm not sacrificing my creativity for any dollar amount. Ooh. So I saw that I post like, too. Yeah, if I, I, feel like, if I feel like it's, it's not something that's on brand with what I got going on, I'm not fucking up the vibes. For your corporate, you know, satisfaction. I'm not doing that. Legal yeah. satisfaction. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, for le legal reasons, they can't have copyrighted music. Well, yeah. Ads, I yeah. asked them, do they want their own version? I'll mm. post it. It can be my version. But for what you need to post, for yeah. FTC guidelines and shit like that, you can post that piece of content. There's ways around it. Because I did it with Phillips and I've done it with multiple different people. But I'm not posting any instrumental on my page so everyone can look at me like, yeah, we fuck with this. But... We know you got paid. So <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> um, so are you pitching yourself to brands? Like what's in your toolkit? Like, do you have a media kit? How so, often are you doing it? So I do have a media kit. Um, I have been independent for a while. I just signed with DBA maybe congrats, congrats. two, three weeks ago. Congrats. They're on top of my ass. So I'm going to see what they can do. Yeah. I am a very like strong-willed person and it took a lot for me to give over that control. Mm -hmm. I know that I do have to delegate a lot of things um, to get to the level that I want to get to. So we're going to see what they can do. But, you know, before that, I did pitch myself. I got the Ashley Home and Furniture deal. Um, I got the Vitrui deal. I locked in a solid amount of deals because uh, I've become good at negotiating. Over the time, you start to learn your value, mm -hmm. uh, the wiggle room. If they're asking for this, um, you can always just throw out whatever you want as far as number wise. And I tell people pitch higher Absolutely. because if you pitch higher and then they meet you at what you originally wanted or give you that higher, it's a win-win situation. And don't ever devalue yourself because the company's going to come back with the same rate and try to continuously do it. And it fucks other creators mm -hmm. because you see a lot of these kids, they'll take this mm -hmm. free clothes or whatever it is and not getting cash compensation. And you still got these brands that are still trying to get free work. Bro, I got 600K. <laughs> like, what do you think this Put is? Put some I'm respect not, on I'm me. not here to make you money. And then what you want to give me a, a t-shirt that you guys manufactured for what, $20 or less? I don't need clothes. Yeah. So that's the way that I look at it um, when it comes to being a creator and pitching yourself is knowing your value and learning to stand your ground. I've called brands out plenty of times for not paying me. I just sent people to the comments. And it's... It's done in a very professional way because I give you a, a grace period. And once that grace period's up, I'm sending the troops. And then I get my money <laughs> that you should have paid to me in the net 30 that you signed. That's and super. learn in your contracts to read. I had a deal with Gym Pass that they had in the contract that I was supposed to do one video. And the day before they hit me up because they saw a video that I posted about like COVID vaccine, how I feel about it, because everyone's got their views. They said, hey, are you vaccinated? Didn't get a chance to answer it. Came back. We saw your stance on this. So we'll have to terminate the contract. Learn to read. Because you can't terminate a contract 24 hours before. It has to be 14 days with a written notice. They still owe me 12 racks. 
didn't have to show up. So learn to read your contracts because most people would have just kept it moving and said, oh, well, they canceled it on me. Nah, I get free money because I read. And if you don't know anything about contracts, hire a lawyer, mm -hmm. use Rocket Lawyer, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. so, I had yeah. a brand like ghost me. And then... First of all, I had a brand go bankrupt. What? But did they <laughs> oh, pay you? Wow. The, band ghosted, the brand ghosted me, but they still paid me. Like okay, my manager was like, we're going to take you to court. They never responded. They just sent the hey, money. Yeah. Like we I don't want, they just was I like, here. Charge you're mostly dealing game. with millennials that you're typing yeah. back and yeah. forth mm -hmm. with and they don't know how to write contracts because I've had another time where somebody left out wording. It says, when someone says uh, payment upon completion or payment upon signature, whatever it is, completion means when I give you the content and I post it, that means you owe me money then. If it doesn't say a 30, 60, 90 day net, then you owe me money when that content is posted. Yeah. Had to call them out. So you're not afraid to, to burn bridges? No, <laughs> because I didn't do anything wrong. I executed and over-delivered, and then you guys treat me like I'm just this, you know, disposable thing as a creator, which there should be a creator union, but that probably yep. won't happen because everyone's not going to come together to do that. But these companies take it as a joke to pay you you know, later than the 30 days. How do you not know that that kid didn't need that money to pay his bills? And I try to make it relatable to the person that I'm talking to on the email. I said, would you be sending these emails if they didn't pay you for a month? I literally say the same thing. Ooh, exactly. I literally say, I know that you're getting a check at least every two weeks yeah. or twice a month. And you think that it's okay to pay me late. For and what? it's not a small amount of money. No. It's not no. like we're no. waiting for two no. or $300, which even if we were, it's my money. So yeah. how do you go about like coming up with your race? Like how, like what research did you do? Once I started, once I heard from, hmm, who was it? I heard from somebody that somebody was charging X amount of dollars at 100,000 followers and just starting to learn how much money people were actually making versus what I was actually pitching myself at. I just started throwing out numbers. <laughs> I got to a certain amount. I was like, yo, sure, I'll take 20 racks for one post. Okay. And then, and then you start getting that and it's like, all right, cool, 30. And you keep going up. You, they're not going to flinch at it because you have to realize they're not spending money on commercials anymore. They're spending money on these influencers that have these audiences that they can't particularly reach. My demographic is something that they need. So holding that value, um, it definitely comes into play. Like stories. If I'm getting 100,000 views on my story, bro, I need 10 racks. That, you're exposed to 100,000 people. If 10% of those people buy, 5%, 2%, trust me, you're probably going to get returned if your product's at least 10 to $12. No, we had, um, who were we talking to, Shanae, about the, um, the edit no, 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 it was Nana, about the editorial, how much editorials get. Yes. So she was oh, saying yeah. that I, Vogue for my agency, magazine yeah. gets like $30,000 for one page, but their circulation is 190,000 people. Yeah. And that's for a month. Mm -hmm. So essentially someone like you, if you have 100,000 views in your story, mm -hmm. that's one day. Yes. You're almost doing the numbers that Vogue's doing. So you should be getting what they would be Significant paying Significant check. Yeah. That's I realized that 100%. And then you show them sales. Yeah. Numbers don't lie. Those diffusers. I think the first time I worked with them, I was a little bit lower fund. They paid me like $4,500. They sold $15,000 worth of stuff. Also got 20% commission, which is great. But uh, there's the the proof right there. My Amazon list sold 100 k worth of stuff in a month. Amazon is trash, though, with the commission. Oh, commission, 3%. <laughs> yeah. Trash. It's a nice yeah, little check. Awesome. It just shows up, but it's it's trash. Yo, let me give you a it penny, is. like, first of all. Yeah, I'm like, Jeff Bezos, this. no wonder you're rich. Yeah. Or wealthy. <laughs> give us one negotiation tip. One negotiation tip. Don't take no. If uh, I say it inside my, my ebook, uh, don't take no for an answer. 
if you get to the point where you're with the brand and they can't particularly meet your budget and you see it as beneficial to your portfolio, go ahead and put it in your portfolio. Because I've worked with, I think it was, um, I don't know, who, who was it? Yeah, the shoe company. It was Timberland. Back when I first started, I was like, man, I should be getting paid for this. I know this is Timberland. But I looked at it from the side of, I'm going to be able to put them in my portfolio. And these companies aren't going to know if I didn't get paid or not, because it's yeah. still an ad. So I would say just a negotiation tip, not taking no for an answer. And then don't undersell yourself. Overshoot. And then if you get that number, great. But if they meet you to where you want it to be, it's a win-win situation. So negotiation, I would definitely give that tip. Facts. Um, can you walk us through your creative process? Like after you sign that contract, are you mood boarding? Like what is that? What do you do? No mood boarding. Okay. I don't think I've mood boarded ever for anything besides like a, a client shoot that's through my agency. Like the Vitrui stuff, I just wanted to capture their new products in a light to where people wanted to ask questions. So there's a new video I'll be dropping on the 5th they have a black and a white diffuser. They have all, all these different colors. And I want to do a cool transition where it's a zoom-in effect. I just want to highlight the product the, the best way I can organically. So when it comes to, like, the process, it's just how I'm feeling, how I'm going throughout my day, and how can I place this within my day to make it make sense. So that I use, like, when I'm doing my meditation, my yoga. You got your scents and stuff like that, along with the music. It's movable. Most diffusers are plug-ins. So that's a movable one that you can move from the bathroom if you want to have a scent in there. Or if you want to have it at the entrance when someone's walking in, they get a certain scent. Or if you just want it in the kitchen, wherever it is, it's movable. And showing the functionality of that product is always something that I'm keeping in mind to highlight different ways to use it. It's like the lamp that I promoted that did pretty well. Turned sideways, has different temperatures. It's also movable. It could be used as a reading lamp, a desk lamp. Highlighting that, um, I guess just kind of comes to me naturally. So I don't really mood board anything. I kind of just go with how I think my audience is going to be receptive to the product that I'm showing. Do you pick your music first or do you edit first and then choose the music to go with the video? So I start creating the video first. Okay. And then I'll go in and add the music later. And sometimes I'll do it to the beat. But at the beginning, if you think about songs, the way that they're like made... 0.8 and 0.9 seconds, the beat's changing. Boom, boom. Like, so it's going to drop and the cuts are going to be there. Sometimes I do line it up um, with specific stuff, like kind of on my recent videos to kind of give that flow because people like to vibe with the music. And if it's on point, um, it's a lot better, I guess, um, viewership that way. So my music definitely comes after. I start structuring the beginning of the video and then I'll throw the music on there and then I'll edit the rest of it. But my process to edit those videos is very small. It probably takes me 20 minutes. What are you using? InShot. It's all on my phone. That's the second time we've yeah, heard InShot. InShot. Yeah. Yeah. She's that girl. She's that girl. I don't edit anything on the computer. It, like my fashion stuff that I used to do, the duplication. Yeah. I obviously did that on Premiere. But InShot is like my best friend. Boom, boom. And then um, the ones that you see on my story take me about five minutes. Because I know like the movements that... I like to see in videos and how it can store the story tell. So I just click, 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 boom, music, go. So in studio here, you have yes. two phones <laughs> set up capturing yeah. content. It's usually three. What else do you shoot with? Any DSLRs, any other phones? For pictures, I use my DSLR, but for like all my video content, it's just my phone. What DSLR are you using? It's a Sony A7 III Sigma lens. Uh, it's a 24 millimeter. That's the second time. Yeah. Third yeah. third time. That's, do you use mm -hmm. Sony too? Yeah, we all use the same Sony one. goes hard. Low yeah. light, everything. Yes, absolutely. What editing tools are you using? Other than InShot. InShot. That's it. Even for photos. Uh, Lightroom. Okay. 
Lightroom's great. I mean, it's very easy once you get the hang of it. And then they've made it really great that you have the select subject now. So like if you under shoot a shot, like I shot inside of my room, it's dark, but I can focus on myself, brighten myself up and then worry about the background after that instead of it all being adjusted at the same time. Then you have the little sky selection tool and stuff now. So Lightroom's come a long way. So any presets, do you have your own presets? Do you use other people's presets or you kind of just tweak it for the mood? I just tweak it. I try to keep it as natural as possible. Um, I, I might go for like a warmer tone depending on, I guess, the fit or something like that. But it's really just about like raising highlights, bringing down blacks. I don't do too much like crazy editing. Now, I think the best creators, no matter the medium, uh, they have the perfect balance of like trendy content or mm -hmm. music with like things that are authentic to them. Like, what mm -hmm. is your take on that? Do you follow trends? Are you like, does trends, do you see growth when you do trends? Like, should, is that something that creators should be doing? Like in your experience? Never follow trends. I don't believe in following trends because it's going to give you growth for the wrong reason. So, and it's not going to be like a long-term audience. So I don't, I've never used a trending sound. Uh, I stick to what's on my playlist, how I'm feeling at the time. If I'm jamming something over and over again, I add that. And then people are introduced to new music. So the trend thing, as cool as it is, it just gets so fucking old really, really quick. Like the little touch it, bring it, babe. That was no, but probably... Like, I feel like your home content is a trend. Yeah, it is now. Yeah, I'm but that's glad, what I'm saying. I'm glad that people are taking care of themselves and cleaning up their house. <laughs> But at the same time, if it's not your regular life, you can tell how stiff people are. I just look like I'm going about my day because it's just B-roll. It's not like this setup, like shot, like, oh, I need to move my, I don't have to move my camera. There's three at the same time. So they're, therefore it's seamless. It doesn't look like I had to go here, cut, boom, boom, this, that, and the other. I invest in my craft and I want it to be as seamless as possible. And at one point I could have a camera angle in every single part of my house so where I could just walk around. And then just piece it together. Truman Show. <laughs> so, again, it's good to see people doing content, but some of y'all are doing it for the wrong reason. You saw that it was working for someone else, but what's working for someone else may not particularly work for you. And I think it honestly works better for Black males to be doing the type of content that we're doing because it's not something that's normal for a Black man to be taking care of himself um, the bromance thing. So it's great to see that people are doing something more positive, but don't steal shit, get inspired by things um, and take it and put your own twist to it. Like I got inspiration from Alex Costa and then other streetwear people and I add my own twist to it. I have my own style when it comes to my content, my editing, my music, and people just need to kind of stick to their lane of content and not follow what's trending at the moment. So I do my lifestyle content, but I also speak and give motivation to people at the same time. I give you streetwear. Um, I'm able to give you uh, travel content too, because most people can only do stuff in their house. I'm on the go. And that tripod is with me everywhere. That's my best friend. And it's going to make me a lot of money. How do you manage like doing things on the go, like people staring or, you know? I do not care. I tell, I, I tell people all the time, because I used to be like that. Um, I would get, you know, shy away from bringing my tripod out in public just for the simple fact that people are looking at you. You're not going to see a person a day in your life after that. And you're getting paid to do your job. I'm not going to shy away from doing something because someone else's opinion. So that tripod will be in the grocery store with me. It will be on the window of the grocery store aisle. I do not care. You're going to ask me a question. I'm doing my job. And if you want to laugh about it, let's laugh about them checks. Yeah. <laughs> So I get paid to live 
and you worried about what I got going on. So when it comes to the tripod, set it up everywhere. Be comfortable because up here, most people aren't going to ask you too many questions. But if you go somewhere else in a mm -hmm. smaller city, they're probably like, oh, why do you have a camera out? We live in a world where capturing things is important. And people always say, well, why would someone set up a camera and capture their regular daily content? Same reason that people set up angles to shoot a damn movie so we can show you what's going on. Otherwise, how are you going to see it? It has to be captured. So those little contents are always, uh, comments are always funny as hell. All right, so we're going to take a quick break and be right back. All right, Carlos, so we like to end our episodes with something called Rapid Fire. We're going to ask you a question and you just have to tell us what pops into your mind, like off top. Okay. First question, Indica or Sativa? Indica. Wow, favorite Jordan and you can't say Jordan 1. Jordan 3. New York City or Dallas? New York. Oh. All right. So what brand or creator would you love to collaborate with? Brand. Hmm. Brand, I would say John Elliott. What Instagram accounts should creators be following? Oh, I would say Big Bigsburg. Okay. Not <laughs> Justin LeBoy. <laughs> <laughs> Newsletters creators should be subscribed to. Donye's newsletter. I think that's the second time. Yep. Yep. I love her. Books that creators should be reading. Crushing It by Gary Vee. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And The Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Who else should we have on this podcast? Kings Recommending Kings. Ron Dove. Better known as Teron Harris. All right. Thank you for that. We like to end each episode with a celebration. Um, this could be about your life. This could also be a career celebratory moment. Is there anything that you would like to cheers to? I would just like to cheers to my growth as a person, um, mentally, spiritually, um, physically, everything. And congratulations to you guys to have this great platform that I'm able to be on. And um, I appreciate you guys having me on here. Thank you, Carlos, for being on Content Queens. How can the kingdom keep up with you? Follow my Instagram? Yeah. So my Instagram is Carlos D, D as in dog, Harris Jr. Uh, my TikTok is the exact same. My YouTube is styled by Los, or you can probably type in my name, Carlos Harris. And my Twitter is Carlos D. Harris Jr. as well. Perfect. Carlos, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for all of the knowledge, the realness, the authenticity for the male energy. This is yes. the first time we've ever had, had, had a male. Yes. Oh, yes. Congratulations to me. Yes. <laughs> we appreciate you being here with us. Content Kingdom, thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much for the energy that you've shared. We will see you next time. Peace. Yo, Carlos's interview was so fun. I, you know what? It made me realize, and maybe I knew this before, but that the influencer content creator really is like the new celebrity. Like, I felt like we were interviewing a celebrity about their journey. Like, oh, how did you start? How did you get here? What do you do to remain? Like, it was so dope just to, to experience that. Yeah. One thing I love about him is his hustle, yo. He's like, it's unmatched. I love that hustle, that spirit. And it really radiates. You can just tell he is about it. Like everything that he talks about, he really lives that life. So that authenticity, I fuck with it. Um, I love that he puts his friends on. Yo, Ki, I was just about to That's say that. That's so dope. 
There was a point where he was like, yeah, I saw my man Ron had this amount. And I was like, nah, we're going to do this different. We're going to boost this. We're going to get this up. And I think that is so fucking dope. Like, that is exactly what we mean when you hear create the own your own table and then pull up a seat and have your people pull up a seat. And a lot of people say that they do that, but a lot of people don't actually walk the walk. Yo, one thing he really illuminated was just the power of collaboration and how that is key for growth in this industry. I think about when I first started and um, all the girls that I came up with in a natural hair movement and how we all were supportive of each other. We would go to the same events. We would take each other's photos. We would go here. We would go there. We would just be in each other's comments, bigging each other up, giving tips. Like think about the glow up with Shanae. Like yep. it's so essential. And I feel like with the pandemic and this new age of creativity, everybody's doing their own thing. And the value of collaboration is unmatched. So I really, really want those listening, you listening to understand, like, reach out. If you admire a creator, reach out to them and say, like, you know, let's go get coffee and let's see how I can work with you, how I can, you know, help you, assist you in your journey, like how we can work together. I think that's so essential. Agree. But people, a lot of people don't want to do that now. You know what I mean? A lot of people think that it is as easy and maybe it is. It is as easy as creating something and going viral and then you're just, boom, this huge internet star. Um, And I think that we forget that a lot of people, you have to have a team. You have to have a tribe. You have to have a community. It's the only only way that any business is going to work. Content creation, whatever kind of entrepreneur you are, it's the only way that it's going to work is that you have to have a tribe behind you or beside you, I should say. Yeah, that's, that's definitely something I miss now. Um, Just having a support group, people who are, you know, there for you, um, that are on the same journey as you. But, you know, you get older, you get, you know, everybody's getting different opportunities or people get married, have kids and everybody's going their own separate ways. But it definitely was key for me and my growth and the longevity that I have. For sure, for sure. But it's like an ego thing. It's an ego thing. It's always an ego thing when we do when we're talking about the internet. It's just like, yeah. especially women, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like looking at you, looking at me. You you think you this, you have this. So it's like it's ego, it's insecurity, but we all we got. You only you can only way you're gonna make it to the top is with help and with people around you um, that want to see you win and that's gonna help you win. Um, and collaboration doesn't necessarily have to be like another creator. It can be your partner. You guys know, like think about all the people that are successful in this business and they always got a right hand. Like whether it's their partner, whether it's their sister, it's they have some type of community that's assisting them. And maybe it's their man taking their photos um, or it's their girlfriend taking their photos (laughs) or, you know, they're a sister duo and they can, you know, tag team and have different, uh, different strengths that they can play off of. So, It's all about collaboration, yo. No, it is. And that's something else Carlos said in this episode that I really loved. Um, He talked a little bit about when you see a content creator, when you see somebody doing better than you, don't take that as an opportunity to hate on them, to disrespect what they're doing. Take it as an opportunity to motivate yourself, to be inspired by what they're doing. Maybe you don't want to do exactly what they're doing, but like sit with yourself, sit with that jealousy a little bit and, and understand where it's coming from and where it's stemming from. And then some kind of way transmute it into an energy that will help you instead of harm you. So one thing that Carlos said in this episode, he was like, he don't hop on no trends. Like he the originator. 
And I think Carlos is a very, very unique case. Like he was something new, something different. We never seen a black man cleaning his home. I mean, that's crazy, right? But he opened up our eyes to a whole new world, like his aesthetic, his crazy view. So I think he is a very, a different case. He can do that, right? However, for most of us growing in this industry, yes, you want to be yourself, you want to be authentic. But something that I think, and I speak about this often on this uh, podcast, is the ability to take trends and make them your own. So this week's content challenge is, I challenge you, Vic, (laughs) to take a trending audio sound and just make it your own. Like find a trend and just make it your own. One thing that I do when I find a trend or anything or any type of mood board inspiration, I always analyze the content and I'm like, okay, what do I like about this? What don't I like? But then the, the biggest question is, how can I make this Kia? Any inspiration I get, I'm always like, how can I make this me? How can I do things that, is, that are going to be innovative, that's going to be different, that I'm going to put Kia's twist on it. So even when I do do trending stuff, it's still new, it's still exciting because I put Kia's twist on it. For instance, like, what was that? Uh, we did the no rush challenge. Like we did the sneaker version of the no rush challenge. It was the first time you've seen it. We did our sneaker take on it. Or if I'm going to do like a transition, it was like this big transition. Remember that um, running, get started, bitch. <laughs> like everybody was doing that one. They were going from like bummy to like daddy. Yep. For me, I was just like, how can I make this my own thing? I was like, I went from straight hair to curly hair. So it's just like little tweaks to the content that's still going to be dynamic. But that still is your own, like, because trending sounds is key for growth. Yep. I'm telling you, it is so key. So it should be a part of your strategy. Don't hop on every trending sound. Find those that are easy to do. Like, honestly, if you got to jump through hoops to make the trending sound work, like you out here, like the (laughs) Globetrotters, nah, it ain't for you, girl. It's not for you. If it's easy, if the thought comes to your head, like, yo, oh, I could do this. I'm gonna do this. Then that, that's how, that's the indicator I use. If I yeah. should hop on a trend or not. If it's just like, oh, this is cute. Oh, I could do this. Okay, so now, how do you determine what is a trend? You know the trending sounds. The trending sounds are going to have, like, the arrow that's going up. But on Instagram, too? Yeah, so if you if you scroll... Oh, so yeah, I know on TikTok the... it does. But on Instagram, I never <laughs> Yeah, tried. if you scroll on the trending... If you scroll... If you're on the Reels uh, tab and you're scrolling... And it'll you run across you. the... It'll show the audio and it'll have, like, an arrow that is okay. going up, that is trending. And there's plenty of like apps out there that um, Shanae's pays Kensington Gray. They do a great job of highlighting trending audio. And there's a few other pages okay. that highlight trending audio. So yeah, Vic, this is going to be fun as Vic, because Vic Ooh, always about, oh, I don't do no trends. I do not like I trends. I do not do no so. trends. And it's like, she always says like, oh, my content is more cinematic, you know, not snappy and stuff like that. But there are cinematic trends that you can hop. Like it's the sound, you know? Yeah. You yep. just got to find your area of the internet. No, I'm excited. It's it's going to yeah. make me step outside of my box, which I actually appreciate. So I'm, I'm down. If you guys decide to join the challenge, make sure you're using the hashtag content challenge with a K. Yep. Please join the challenge, y'all. Don't leave me out here high and dry by myself. <laughs> so speaking of trends, the question of the week is, what have been your favorite and least favorite trends? I'm sorry. I do no shade to him. No shade to him, but 
I don't even know who he is, but he had he's he's been like the king of trending sounds lately. So I feel like people are getting to the point where all they want to do is create these trending sounds. Right. Yeah. So they're doing all these things to create trending sounds. And so there's this guy. Um, what is his sound? Uh Dang, I can't even think about it off the top of my head, but I'm just tired of seeing, I'm tired of hearing his voice. I want y'all to find somebody else's voice to use. He's like, uh, I, I woke up gorgeous again. Oh, yeah, 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 you know? yeah, 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 yes. And it's like, this is cute the first time, even like right. the first five times. But now it's like, mm, I woke next? up gorgeous again. And it's just like, okay. All right. And so he's definitely, I don't know if he's purposely creating sounds to make, to become audio um, or he's just organically, authentically just being himself and people are like, oh, this would be a great sound. I also want to see more black people as like more like black sounds. Like I want black women as the sound soundtracks and stuff. But at the same time, I feel like it's going to get to a point, like with everything where things are going to get abused, where people are only doing it to become a sound. I think um, that people are already there. Yeah. Like, but, it's gonna get, but what makes a good trending sound? What would you say? Something that can be used across niches. You know, something that transcends age, race, gender, niche. Because then anyone can use it. Anyone can relate. It could be used for cooking. It could be, you know what? I, <laughs> you know what song I like? I like that Jiggle Jiggle song. Because that is, nah, but that's a song that I've seen used in cooking. I've seen kids. I've seen puppies. I've seen hair, curly hair video. Like I've seen everyone use that sound. And I think because that's what makes so it Because it was so trendy. That's why, because but they it was, could you be guaranteed used. to go viral yes. if you. Use that I mean sound. that too. Yes, but it can that's be so, used. I freaking hate that song, yo. I hate it. I like do jiggle jiggle, and running through wiggle wiggle. What? Like, I let me tell you, the internet is the internet is the most corniest place on the earth. I swear. I'd be like, y'all like this? This is cute, I y'all. Love that shit. Like, I always oh say, I'm way God. too real for all of this. I'm like. Oh. For me, when I think about trending sounds, I like things that are nostalgic, that take me back to a place. So when I'm creating, like, I don't purposely create trending, create sounds for it to go viral or for other people to use it. I'm like, I need, what's the soundtrack for this particular video? And so it's just like, what was the mood I was giving? And I'm like, oh, yo, I sat and watched. I sat and watched Living Single from episode one trying to find this audio because I was like, yo, this is the most iconic audio. I need to find this exact ep- episode. Like, there, because it wasn't on the internet at all. Like, you yeah. couldn't just, you couldn't, I couldn't Google and be like, okay, um, I don't create outfits, I create looks. Like, I couldn't do that. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't available. Nothing popped up. So I sat down on a Friday and I wanted to post it on that Friday and I watched season one of Living Single. It's about 20-something episodes. Then I watched season two. It wasn't it's a season two, episode 26. Damn, that's dedication that, that thing, right I, there. I am dedicated. I am that's dedication. dedicated. I will go and find a video. Like, I will go to YouTube. I'm like, yo, what did MC McDevra say? Okay, that's going to be fire for this hair transformation yo. video. Like, let me go to YouTube. Let me download the audio. Like, it's just different over here. It's just different. Uh, that's that's dedication. <laughs> but see, I think that's how I am when it comes to creating video. 
like I'll sit and I'll watch movies or TV shows. And like most of the things in my phone are video recordings of like movies and TV shows. Cause I'm like, Oh, I like the way that was shot. I like this angle. I like whatever that is. I'm just, I mean, I don't like trends. So I'm just now getting on to <laughs> like, Oh, okay. People are using these sounds. Um, there's someone else that you suggested uh, as a follow of the week, a couple weeks ago. Um, MJ something is her like handle. Yes, but she, and she posts, gives like mm-hmm. she gives like trending sounds of the week, like sounds she's been loving, and I do really like that. Like I've been saving those posts. Like oh, okay, when I'm ready to do it, I'm gonna go here. Yeah, but it's all about the creative process, and so I think that once again, that's what separates the artist or the creative and the content creator from people who are just you know doing this as a hobby or um, just getting into it or doing it for the trending stuff and or just like in just a regular degular user of Instagram you know mm-hmm. um we have to rise to those occasions and there, there are certain moments certain things that we do that make us who we are as a creative and it shows yep. in our content yeah agreed so once again we want to thank Carlos for being here um it was such just a refreshing sense of or a refreshing perspective to have someone that identifies as a male talk about content creation uh talk about being an entrepreneur um and his energy and his vibe was just so dope so thank you so much carlos as always make sure you're following us on socials at content queens on instagram twitter and TikTok and YouTube, you know, we're on our road to a thousand subscribers. Do we know how many subscribers we have now? So we have 787 subscribers on YouTube. Once we hit a thousand, we'll go live. We'll drop another video when we get to a thousand. Hit that that subscribe button. Uh, Also send us emails at contentqueens at gmail.com. And don't forget to give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Um, Yep. Yep. And get sliding them DMs. All right. Not just for Carlos and his father, okay? Slide in the DMs for us. <laughs> hey, with that being said, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for lending us your time and your energy. And we will see y'all or hear y'all, be with y'all next week. Yep. Later. Bye. We just want to take a moment to thank everyone for joining us in the content kingdom. If you enjoyed your time here, if you learned something, if you feel empowered by what we shared, please do us the honor by leaving us a five-star review. Yes, we five-star chicks. We need five-star reviews wherever you enjoyed this show. That's right. If you're enjoying the art and the content that we put out, be sure to let the rest of the world know. Don't keep us a secret. Looking to keep this Content Queens conversation going? You can join our royal family on Instagram at Content Queens or on YouTube at Content Queens. And if you'd like to get in contact with us, please email us at contentqueens at gmail.com. That's a wrap for this episode. And until next time, see you next week. This is Content Queens, where content is queen. So wear that crown proudly. Content Queens is executive produced and directed by Frida Lucas. Mixing and engineering completed by Eric Aaron. Thank you all so much for joining us this week and we'll talk to you soon.